Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me. That I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Christ, have mercy.
Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you have revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your mercy that your church throughout the world may persevere with steadfast faith in the confession of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, children. And there they are. A beautiful and handsome group. This is a large crowd. Isn't this amazing? I love this. All right, you made it. <laughs> All right, if you'd reach out your hands and pray with me for these children. They'd go off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for all of these young hearts and minds before us. We ask that you would always watch over and keep them, Lord, that you would bless them all of their days, Lord, that you would fill them with courage and wisdom and strength by your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. <laughs> always my favorite. <laughs> What's this? Oh, the readings. I'll take my stuff. Amen. Chapter 45, verses 1 through 7. 
Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and to loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 96, the selected verses. Please read responsibly at the asterisk. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Declare his glory among the nations. His wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the field be joyful, and all that is in it. And all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness, and the peoples with his spirit. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Amen. This morning's second reading comes from the book of Thessalonians, beginning at chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our hearts, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election and in the Holy Spirit and in so much assurance, as you know what kind of men we are among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, 
having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples in all Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning to us what matter of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. Lord be with you. May the Lord be on our minds, on our lips, and on our hearts as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're reading from Matthew's gospel, chapter 22, beginning at verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. The Gospel of the Lord. Go home. 
to share with you um, the things that God has been showing me out of our, out of our gospel lesson um, and hoping that I can do justice to the things I believe that God has been sharing with me for you. It's a, it's a pretty well-known passage, right, where Jesus is answering the Pharisees' questions of should we pay taxes to Caesar or not. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but I want to call out a few things relative to the context of this story as we begin. And the first one is that the, the reading just before this one in Matthew that we talked about last week was a parable of a king whose son was getting married and he sent for everybody to come and his friend said, I'm busy. <laughs> and now that's a context here where we're hearing about these Pharisees. And these Pharisees at the beginning of the reading said that they planned to entangle Jesus in his talk. So they're, they're setting a trap. This is not, this is not a rational inquiry into information that they wanted to have. Right, And you, you know this because part of the story is they said that they sent their disciples with the Herodians. Who were they? They were Roman officials. Roman officials. And what they wanted to do was set up this dilemma for Jesus over this question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? 
If he says no, the Romans are there to say, you are a rebel. You are against the king and need to be punished. Or he says yes, and his followers are going to scratch their heads saying, these guys are not friendly to us. How are you picking their side? So it's, it's a trap. It's a trap. The question is not a legitimate question. You, you know this, right? It's like questions are hard and people do a really bad job of it. Here's a good question. What time is it? <laughs> if I ask you what time it is because my watch is wrong and I want you to tell me because I need this information, it's a legitimate question. What you're sharing with me, I want to hear about. But do you think the Pharisees sending their disciples there were wondering what Jesus thought about paying taxes? Do you think they cared? They didn't care. It was a setup. It wasn't for them. And it wasn't for Jesus, it was for the audience that's watching. It's for the audience that was watching. And this is, this is just a modern trap. If you, if you uh, follow the news, you follow politics, you follow those things, how many questions are a setup? A setup to lay a trap. It's just normal. And... Obviously, it's not new. <laughs> it's not new to us. All the way back, and Jesus is there. But Jesus, he sees through it. He perceives their wickedness, is what it says. He saw through them. Uh, and we don't have to either. We don't have to fall for those traps. So then the question is, should we pay taxes? Should we pay a tribute to Caesar? It's like you pay tribute to people that have overpowered you, and that's, in this case, what the taxes were all about. And Jesus asked for the coin. What's on the coin? Caesar is on the coin. Well, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and render to God what is God's, right? That is, that's like, uh, that's the great gotcha response. You can see the clickbait headline now, Jesus destroys Pharisees with one simple answer. <laughs> and that would be funny. But the challenge is that Jesus' answer is so deep and so important and goes right to the heart of the matter because we know already that we are created in God's image. So how in the world are we going to be fit to render to God what is God's? How do, how do we do that? We're created in God's image. It says in Genesis, God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. And it also says, Paul says in Corinthians, that you were bought with a price. It's like there is something in us that God has not only created us in his image, but he has rescued us from sin and death. Jesus, the Son of God, became man, died on the cross, shed his blood, was dead and buried for us, that we might be free of the penalty of our sin and death so that we might be free of death. He rescued us. And then he was raised to death. And so we know our sins are forgiven. Our sins are set aside and we are free. And that we are free to live because he lives in us, because he is raised from the dead. And all of that is how, how, how do we render to God what is due? Huh. It's a little overwhelming. 
And so I'm going to talk about some of the aspects of this today to say, how do we do that? And, and I would say we need to live without fear. We need to live without boredom. And we need to live without loneliness. <laughs> uh, living without fear, right? We do need to live without fear. I, I was thinking about this, right? Because not all fear is irrational, if a bear wandered into our service and you were afraid the bear was going to bite you, I would think that was rational, <laughs> right? So that's fair. It's not what we're talking about here. It's when we're afraid of the bear when the bear's not in the room. That's ridiculous, right? We need to, we need to be able to pay attention to those things because it's, it's like fear... Fear and anxiety are kind of bound up together. Fear and anxiety and anger, all of these things are bound up. And when there's, when those come into our life, it makes us prone to manipulation. And God meant us to be free. Boredom. There is a, there's a quip out there that says that Netflix, that the chief competitor of Netflix is sleep. <laughs> and what do you do? I mean, I watch Netflix, and there's some interesting programming. I think my viewing is righteous. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, and I'm not to say that there's anything wrong in that, but it's like we, we can be bored. We think we're bored. Why are we bored? And so we pass the time. Or as, uh, you know, it's like we kill time. Don't kill time. Time is important. <laughs> important for you spend the time and i think you know right how to not be bored i'm i'm supposed to tell you at this moment right that you should read your bible and you should pray and i think you should read your bible and you should pray but it's not really the context i want to share with you about that this is this is our salvation is not in praying and our salvation is not in reading the bible our salvation is in jesus christ and we are dependent on Him every moment of our lives for His salvation and the freedom that He gives us. <laughs> and with that rich of a life, we ought not be bored. And the last one is loneliness. I think it's in the Psalms where God says that He puts the lonely into families. If that's true, then I must be one of the loneliest people because I am in such a great and large family, right? I have a great family. You know my family, but you also are my family. It's not just my family. It's this family. Everyone here is a member of the family of God, and we're all members together with each other. We don't need to be lonely. We don't need to be lonely. I was thinking about this. I, I could probably just terrify Debbie. I said, if you're lonely, just come over to my house. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and then I won't be bored. <laughs> so, so uh, um, sidebar. I have a couple of sidebars today. But this one is, uh, one of the things that I learned about friendships when I was early on in the Marine Corps was there was this guy that I spent time with. And he was a friend. He was a really good friend. And I liked him a lot. And... Um, I came to the place where I just completely took him for granted and took advantage of him at every moment. Uh, because I would say, let's go to lunch together. Let's do this together. Let's do that together. 
because I wanted to be with him and I didn't care what he had planned, <laughs> right? There is an element of that in our friendship with each other that we can trust that we can we can open ourselves up and impose ourselves on our friends. And and in that way, we find that we we cannot be lonely. Now, the I want to I want to take these things, and these are just examples. Living without fear, living without boredom, living without loneliness is. I want to ask you this question: It's like, how do we find ourselves in those in those positions like that? And the question I want to give you is, who told you that? Who told you that? I heard this a few months ago, and I'm thinking, man, it just opens up so many avenues. Who told you that? Who told you you should be afraid? Who told you you should be bored? Who told you you should be lonely? It's like, it wasn't God. That's not what God is saying. I didn't tell you that. It's, who's telling you these things? It becomes, it becomes a window to find out at some level whether you should believe it or it's true. It's not true. Don't believe it. Who told you that? And I have to, I have to tell you this because like, who told you that? I have a biblical reference for that. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible just because of the nature of the story. And it has to do back at creation, right? Okay, we, God created us in his image, male and female. He created us. And then we have the fall. And after the fall, I, it, it says that God was walking in the garden in the cool of, of the night or the evening or whatever, right? And, and I always read that in my head. It's Jesus is walking in the garden. And he says, um, Adam, where are you? If you've ever been around a three-year-old who's hiding, who's playing hide-and-seek, and you say, Adam, where are you? Then they say what Adam said, I'm hiding. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm hiding because uh, I, I am naked and ashamed. And Jesus says to him, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? If I was from Texas, I'd say, who told you you were naked? <laughs> who told you? Who told you this, right? You're naked and ashamed. And then he said, did you eat? Did you eat of the tree Knowledge of good and evil. I told you not to eat that tree. Um, you know, we we uh, we see these images, right? When we sin and God's there, did you do that? But I always, you know, that whole context of the three-year-old. I'm hiding. <laughs> You're not really mad at the three-year-old for the things that a three-year-old does when they have to grow up. And God is never mad at you either. Even... When your sin is egregious and terrible and horrible, he loves you. He sent Jesus to rescue you from that. I want to, if you doubt me on this, then, then let me tell you about it. In, in John, there's a story, and it's another who told you story. Who told you? And it was, there, was a, there was a cripple who couldn't walk, who was begging and Jesus told him to take up his mat and to walk. You know, whatever it is, the thing he's sitting on so he can beg. Pick it up and walk. I can't walk. Do it anyway. Okay. So he does. He picks up his mat and he walks. 
Now, he's a happy man, walking, carrying his mat on the Sabbath day, which is against the rules. And so, these guys, the Pharisees, the leaders of the uh, Israeli people there in Jerusalem, see him walking around with his mat, and they said, who told you to pick up your mat? Jesus did. That's what you want to hear the answer to the question. Who told you? Pick up your mat. Ah, oh, amen, brother. That's me. <laughs> I'm going to do that. So the question is still, I want, to, I want to keep digging into this, because it's how do you render to God what is God's knowing your your need, your dependence on him for your salvation, how he has rescued you and how he created you in his own image. How do you do that? I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions. Well, this one. And that is, do the thing that's in front of you. Do the thing that is right in front of you. If you have a job, do your job. (laughs) If If you're a student, be a student. If you're a teacher, be a teacher. If you're a husband, be a husband. If you're a wife, be a wife. If you're a parent, be a parent. If you're single, be single. Do the thing that's right in front of you. You know that you have something to do. Do that. That's how you render to God. And let me me put it into this context. And for this, I want to read out of... Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. That's the reading I'm looking for. And whatever you do, this is Paul writing to the Colossians, writing to us. If you listen to the the New Testament reading today, he's writing to this. Thessalonians who have been converted and filled with the Holy Spirit and and the word of God is filling the whole world from them. That's us. That's us. Of course, we want to do what's in front of us this way, speaking to us. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your do your best. Do it heartily as to the Lord. And not to men. All these things are are for others around you. No. All these things you do for the others around you are you're doing them for Jesus himself. You're doing them for God. You are rendering to God what is his due. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Exactly. Why should you do what you're supposed to do to the best that you possibly can? Because you're doing it for Jesus, and he loves you, and he's rewarded you, and will reward you. I threw this last one in, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What is in front of you needs to be of the Lord. Let's just start with that, because it shouldn't be sin. And I want to I want to talk a little bit about this, right? And it's it's um, sin, as you have probably been taught, as I am, 
comes from the word hamarta, which is an archery term, which means to miss the mark, to miss the mark. Huh. You miss. I, uh, I heard growing up a saying, you know, that guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They might have been talking about archery. They might have been talking about hunting, where I grew up with. They might have been talking about sports. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And so I think, you know, hitting the target, hitting the target, right? Have you ever seen the broadside of a barn? I've actually seen the broadside of a barn. The barns are big, and the broadside is just this big wall. And if I'm like as close as a lectern, I'm like 10 feet away, and I'm shooting my arrows, I never miss. I never miss. I can hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> but, you know, what's the, what's, what's the point of that, right? If that's the way we're living our life, God, I never miss the mark. I can hit the broadside of a barn. Does that mean you are living without sin? No. That isn't what it means. It means that you're not picking the right target. You're not picking the right target. What the right target is, is bound up in the things that God has called you to be. The purpose he's created you for. All right, we know that there are boundaries out there. And that's what sin is about. These are the boundaries out there. Uh, don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. Don't do that sort of thing. If you do that to the best of your ability, you're failing, right? And you know that. You know when I'm talking about doing the best that you can at the thing that's in front of you. It's because the thing that's in front of you is not that. And doing your best is to not do that. And how do you like, go from aiming at the broadside of a barn to the exact target that God has for you, the very thing he's created you to be? He's created you in his image. Now, if you look around here, how many images does God have? <laughs> I mean, we're all different. And we're all unique, but we are all created in God's image. And we each in our uniqueness have a, have a special call that God has created us for, our purpose. They have this word telos, telos, our telos, which is a, you know, like a deeper meaning of our purpose, the very thing that you were created for. And we want to find out what that is. And now is what I want to say. You should pray. <laughs> you should read your Bible. You should come to church. Why is that? Because God will speak to you. He's speaking to you. He's... The love that God has for you is without bounds. And the love is that he wants for you your best good. He wants for you your best good. And so if you can hear from him what that target is, then you can aspire to something, I'm going to say, just speculating here, but you can aspire to something greater and better than you are today. And I say that not because I have any misgivings about you, but because I know the greatness of God and His capability working in us is calling us to so much more than we would think of as obvious, right? How do you know 
how good you can be until you really try? And how do you know that special target that God has created you to hit, the, the purpose and meaning of your life that God has called you for, unless you enter into His presence and you ask Him? Ask Him in, in, in a genuine way. You know, um, aiming at the broad side of a barn is just lying to yourself. It's, it's pretending. And that's where we move beyond pretending into God's presence. And we ask Him specifically, God, what is it that You've called me to be and to do? And how can I be that and do that to the best of everything, all of the gifts that You've put in within me? So, with that simple call, (laughs) that's all you have to do this week. Do what is in front of you. Be the best that you can and do it according to God's plan. And if you will do that, then you will begin to see the world the same way that God does. You'll begin to see the world the way that God sees it. You'll begin to see yourself the way God sees you. And you will begin on this journey where you can fulfill the very purpose for which you were created. Amen. You're in Zelensky. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Did I? Not bad. Praise be to God. Well, these are uh, amazing and exciting times for us at uh, St. Michael's and even in our whole communion in the CEC. At this uh, last House of Bishops that I just uh, returned from, uh, we had uh, planned on spending most of the uh, week uh, making plans and getting ready for our convocation, which is coming up this next summer, and I hope you all make it. Uh, We've really geared it so you have absolutely no excuse not to go. (laughs) uh, We've got people to uh, really get behind this convocation with a lot of uh, private donations and funds, so we're going to be meeting in Orlando, uh, the Mecca for entertainment and uh, <laughs> family, particularly family entertainment. We want as many of our families to go as possible. So you'll be able to get the, your room there for $92 a night versus what it would normally be, probably 200 or something. Uh, yeah, and we, and we uh, secured the same places as the last one we had down there. So everybody that went there realized it's an amazing, fun place to be. It's a great place for your family. And so we'll be telling you more and more about that. But uh, So that's what we really planned on uh, focusing on. But the Holy Spirit just really came upon us at the American House of Bishops and so if I could put in one word the theme, it became transition. Transition. And uh, I have this letter that I wrote to my clergy. It's going to be released publicly at noon. And so I, uh, I don't know any other better way to convey 
my message and just reading you this letter. I'm sending it to all the clergy in the uh, diocese of the West. Dear brothers, God truly does work in strange ways. At our last clergy gathering that we just completed, it was obvious to many of us, and especially me, that we're an aging clergy. This, we, uh, this became the theme about transition with the House of Bishops. And uh, I tell you, in, in the uh, next year, uh, the complexion of our House of Bishops will completely change because of this. Uh, it was obvious to many of us, especially me, that we're an aging clergy. As evidence, we witnessed a distressful episode of Father Black's brain injury. One of my priests who uh, was uh, from Canada had a uh, bleeding on the brain episode, and it was a real scare for us all. And he's uh, home now resting and uh, under care of doctors, so praise be to God, you know, we prayed for him and God touched him, and, and uh, it could have been much, much, much worse. You may recall I was in a lot of pain and had much difficulty myself. It doesn't take a blind man to see that uh, I'm having a little trouble getting around, does it? Since then, I've not improved. I had to fly to New York for the House of Bishops last week, and that was difficult and painful. As a result of age and health, I sought counsel and I entered into prayer. I believe I've been released to retire from active ministry as diocesan bishop and rector of St. Michael's Church this next spring. And if we put a date on it, it'll be in May. Follow me just a little further here. At the House of Bishops, we discussed transition and the future of the American church. And when we discussed future leadership for the Diocese of the West, I put forward two men for consideration that I put my life into. Through the discussion, which we do in consensus in the House of Bishops, it's a messy business, but it brings you what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you through the counsel of many is wisdom, it says in Scripture. And this is how you can be assured that we uh, govern here in our local church. We have a group of stupid, ignorant men who love God with all their heart, lay down their agendas, and seek the Lord with all their might, and we stumble through pretty well. God used that to create a worldwide movement. I'll start right here. Through the discussion and consensus, Father Chris Moran was nominated as the next bishop for the Diocese of the West. You know Chris Moran. You want, duh. And if you, if you don't, you'll be just blown away as you meet him and and uh, get to know him, what he's done in, in Las Vegas is truly miraculous. 
This will move the cathedral to Henderson, Nevada. It means we won't be cathedral church anymore. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. (laughs) A high-ranking female member of your congregation, I won't divulge her name, when she heard this declared, Hallelujah! (laughs) <laughs> so I realize some of you are very proud of the fact of who we were and became, but a lot of you just want to come to church. And we have a really great church here, and that's what you want for your children, the church and the school. Uh, this will move the cathedral to Henderson, Nevada, and St. Michael's will become a parish church. I believe Father Powell is called to become the next rector. St. Michael's Church. That means instead of him asking me, I'll be asking him, I guess. And he'll do a fine job. I've spoken to both these men, and they're willing to accept the God-given roles. I'll be calling each of you. These are my clergy. Just remember this letter to them. It'll be released at noon, so you Uh, I'll be calling each of you soon to further explain the situation and to poll the clergy and the churches regarding these actions. And I'm confident that we'll experience the same witness and support as the House of Bishops gave. Patriarch has tentatively set a date for this consecration of our next diocesan, Father Chris, for Friday, May 17th. So now you've got a really good excuse to go to Las Vegas. Please pray for these men as they anticipate taking over these new challenges. If you have questions, would you wait a week or two to ask me? Uh, So... time. And he almost had to kill me to get me to realize it. But uh, It's going to be wonderful as we see this new generation and uh, it, it'll, it'll truly be marvelous. It just goes to show you that God continues to lead us. And uh, For those of you serving in leadership, that's why we must maintain the integrity. Otherwise, you won't show up. But I'm looking forward uh, to what's next and what God wants to do. Uh, And in my life as well. I... I, uh, And as uh, Forrest said, and that's all I got to say on that
So we got six months, and let's make them the best six months ever. Amen? Okay. We'll continue. Someone? Continue with the prayers of the people. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, God, by His infinite grace, has chosen us to be His people. Therefore, let us with confidence bring our needs before the Lord of all. For the church, that she will make visible the kingdom of God on earth. Lord, in your mercy. For the patriarch, all bishops, priests, and deacons, that their lives will inspire in their people a desire for a deeper relationship with Christ. Lord, in your mercy. For elected officials, that they will build societies that respect all human life. Lord, in your mercy. For this community, that we will live our lives in such a way that God's name will be glorified, even among non-believers. Lord, in your mercy. For the safety of those who protect and defend us at home and abroad. Lord, in your mercy. For the conversion of Islam and other world religions and philosophies that are in direct contradiction to the word of God. Lord, in your mercy. For those who are without hope or suicidal, that they will see in whose image they are created and surrender to him. Lord, in your mercy. Image. Hear our prayer. Give us the grace to be transformed in such a way as to reflect your love to those we meet. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. And with, with your, your spirit. spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace. <laughs> The Lord be with you. We've got a few announcements. I think you had a couple. No words. Amen. Uh, keep Bishop and Karen in your prayers. I know that the transition like this is uh, uh, really emotional, right? This is uh, a life that we have lived together with Bishop in this very important role in our lives. And, and he's... Um, He's not leaving, <laughs> right? He's with us, and we're grateful for that. Amen. Always is a part of us. And what we don't know is what that, what's that going to be like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're, we're off the map. Mm-hmm. Um, and pray for yourselves. I have concerns about your new rector. <laughs> <laughs> now, I trust God will preserve us all, and I am, I'm grateful to you and to Bishop, and uh, am glad, very glad, that it's a trend, that, that, Bishop, that you will always be here with us and a part Amen. of us, and uh, I will have lots of questions for you too. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to say one thing, too. I think uh, over the past six months since our Rector's Council retreat, um, God's just been speaking really powerfully to the leaders of the church. And uh, everything Bishop said, it's not plan B for God. This is what he's doing right now for St. Michael's. And I look forward to all the ways that we come up with for honoring what Bishop has done in our life as we come to this uh, May uh, date when he's going to be transitioning. And so I just, God is so good, even in the midst of the difficult parts. And so he's been preparing us and leading the way and thank God for Bishop. Amen. There's uh, announcements on the screen. We've got a couple of signups that we want you guys to pay attention to. The men's retreat, uh, we are looking for names. We've got to get that stuff solidified. And uh, trunk or treat, we're also looking for names. We're planning out where the spaces are going to be. It's going to be a great opportunity to minister to our community. We get tons of people that come through there. So if you're at all able to be there, I totally encourage you to do so. It's going to be great. Don't be bored or lonely. Amen. Come to trunk or treat. Let's pray for our offering. I appeal to you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let us with gladness present the offering and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Jesus. 
to the Lord our God. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he's freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you call us out of darkness your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise.
fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise, and he gave the cup to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died, died, Christ Christ is risen, risen, and Christ Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of our bishops and clergy. Remember all those who are sick and firm in spirit, soul, or body. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed, become the body of Christ to the Lord, to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. You've made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with them and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior taught us, we're bold to pray. Our Father, who Who art in in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who were called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. The body of Christ. Amen. Blood of Christ. Amen. 
fed us with the spiritual food of his sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, a prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam through the world seeking ruin of souls. Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Remember the gospel God was in Christ Jesus reconciling, reconciling the world to himself and not counting men's sins against them. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. Best of all, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.